morning. That was pretty good, but did you guys get one of these cards if you're the first time here? I got one. I got to use it afterwards, though. Okay. Can't do it yet. Thank you, Ryan and Ashley, for sharing about uh, your journey in Ukraine. Really appreciate it. I understand transitions a little bit. And um, they can be difficult. They can be challenging. I also understand that, you know, the headlines you just saw don't tell the whole story. There's much more to the story. And I want to share a little bit with you today, really just our testimony of who God is, that he's always at work, and that we get to join him in it, but it's a choice to join him in what he's doing. You need to understand also one other thing, that the only reason I can be here today is because thousands of people around the world, like you, prayed. You must understand that. It is key. You know, we served in China for 30 years. We did things like, we lived in seven different cities over those 30 years. We raised our four children there. We started a, a coffee shop. We taught English. We studied Chinese. Came alongside house and government churches. And we, we just served there. And the way we lived was to be ready to give an answer to everyone who asks for the hope that is within you. We didn't stand on street corners to preach. But we prayed people would ask questions. You know what happens when you pray that people ask questions? They ask questions. <laughs> it's pretty simple. I found that you know, God is who he says he is, and he does what he says he will do. In 2007, we moved to a city called Dandong. Some people call it Ding Dong. It's not, okay? It's on the border of China and North Korea. In that place, we set up a coffee shop. We called it Peter's Coffee House. My son thought it was his. It wasn't. My wife, Julia, taught in a university. We did aid work into North Korea. We made trips into North Korea. And we saw people saved. You know, in that coffee house, we didn't go about preaching. But almost every week, someone would ask a question. More than one time. And people were saved through that place. And then our lives changed on August 4th, 2014. We were invited to dinner. Happens sometimes. And this couple, who we did not know, we were invited through a friend of a, another friend, said, oh, they just want to talk about their daughter who wants to study in Canada. We thought, that's a pretty normal thing. You know, they want to find out what is it like for their daughter to study in Canada. Well, it turned out it wasn't a nice chat over dinner. It was a betrayal dinner. And the, what's called the Ministry of State Security in China, essentially the FBI, came, grabbed us, accused us of being spies. And then I didn't see Julia for months after that. We were separated, taken to a remote compound, interrogated for... Six months, isolated. We were interrogated for up to six hours a day, plus other things that went on. In that compound, there were 50 to 60 security personnel just for us. So we felt safe. Not really. <laughs> but it took me a while. I mean, like, how could they think we were spies? We were open in what we did. We, we were open that we were Christians, but how could they possibly think we were spies? And then I realized what happened. They'd watch way too many Jason Bourne movies. And that's why the 50 to, secure, 50 to 60 security personnel were there. But after that six months of isolation, interrogation, no lawyer, no phone call, nothing like that, and pretty bad Chinese food, it got worse. 
After those six months, Julia was moved to essentially house arrest. They called a bail pending trial. No ID, no money, having to report to the security bureau, being followed everywhere she went, so she decided not to meet many people because they got in trouble if they met her. And I was moved to a prison, 900 inmates in this prison, and I got to share a cell with up to 14 other people. Not a very big cell. Why? We ask that question a lot, right? Sometimes when things are difficult, we ask why. I'll give you a couple of answers to why. One is, Canada arrested a guy named Subin in Vancouver, accused him of being a spy, which he was. He was arrested on behalf of the U.S. China took us because they wanted to trade. Well, I had no idea of that for two years. No idea that that, that went on outside. That happened about five weeks after Canada arrested that spy. Exactly what's going on today with the lady named Meng Wenzhou who was arrested in Vancouver on behalf of the U.S. Ten days later, two Michaels, Michael Korvig and Michael Spavor, were abducted in China because we were abducted too. We were not arrested for eight months. So they were abducted again because the U.S. requested it. But the question is, can we, in the middle of our pain, in the middle of our difficulties, can we see God's bigger picture? Can we zoom out of our circumstances and see that God is doing something? Because he is always at work. We had to learn that. Because God's already written our story. You know that? Yeah, he's given us a choice, but we have a story already written. Psalm 139, verse 16 says, All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. I learned God knew what was going on. He was very, very aware of what was happening. You know, injustice, being falsely accused, is not new. You read the book of Genesis, chapter 37 to 50, about Joseph. What happened to him? Sold as a slave by his loving brothers. Became a servant in the house of Potiphar. Then falsely accused. Sent to prison for a number of years. Then he comes back into power. And his brothers come to him. And you know the end of the story. Genesis 50, verse 20, Joseph said this after all the things that went on with him. Prison, falsely accused. He said, you intended to harm me, but God meant it for good. To accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. See, God had a plan and a purpose. Doesn't mean it was easy or even fun at all. But God meant our two years. Our 775 days, he meant each one of them for good. And I had to choose, Julia had to choose, that this was good. God means it for good. Oh no, it was difficult, believe me. Because what happened to Joseph was not good. What happened to us was not good. It was horrific. But God means it for good and will use it for good. Because he always does.
Best remember things like Psalm 46.1. It says, God is our refuge and strength, right? He's an ever-present help in times of trouble. Well, we had a bit of trouble. But I learned that God is ever-present and he is a help in those times. He really sustained us. There's no other way to put it except God sustained us. And while we were suffered, God was unfolding a story much bigger than us. With the guards, with the interrogators, government officials, later with the inmates in that prison. You see, those 30 years involved with China and North Korea, seven of them living on the border, then God decided to give us two bonus years. And that's the way I view it, they're bonus. Some people get a turkey at Christmas as a bonus. Well, we got two extra years in China. All expenses paid. Actually, that's not true. We had to pay for everything, but that's another story. You know, the night we were abducted, as I said, it was from a restaurant. And uh, that night, I was taken back. We were separated from the very beginning. And um, I was taken back to our apartment, and they 18 security people. I counted. They went through all our, our whole apartment, ransacked the whole place. The end of the night, probably four or five o'clock in the morning, they said, okay, get some clothes for you and Julia. I made a slight mistake. I wasn't thinking very clearly. And I grabbed some of our daughter's clothes for my wife. They didn't quite fit. But I also grabbed our Bibles. And the main guy who was doing the ransacking, he said, you can't have those. And the Holy Spirit rose up in me, and I just said, well, that's not very nice of you. And it was, it was like that. And after a bit of discussion, he said, okay, you can have your Bibles. So from day one, we had our Bibles with us. You know how amazing that is? Amazing. Julie didn't know that for two years. They came in the next morning and gave her her Bible. And they said, oh, here's your book. We are free of religion, so here's your book. She said, oh, China's being nice. No. Another why. Why does God do these things? Why do things happen, right? And I don't, I don't have all the answers. I have no idea. But I do know what God says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 to 17. Paul's speaking. He says, thanks be to God who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession. Always leads us. Okay? And uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of Him everywhere. And that includes prison. Right? It includes parks as well. He uses us to spread the aroma of Christ everywhere. For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved, and those who are perishing. To one we are the aroma that brings death. To the other an aroma that brings life. And God had a plan to bring life. In that circumstance. And remember what I said at the very beginning. The way we operate in China is 1 Peter 3.15. We always were prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks. For the reason for the hope that is in us. And we need to be. Because we are Christ's ambassadors. We're his spokespeople. So we need to be that. You know, on February 3rd, 2015, when they took me to that prison, I had some good ideas for God. 
And I cried and I prayed. And I said, God, now is a really good time to let me go. It had been six months. And I said, God, rescue me today. And I said, no, not prison. But God had other ideas. You see, I can't see what God sees. All I could see was I didn't like where I was. And I did not especially like where I was going. I'd only seen really bad movies about prisons, and I wasn't impressed. But that day as they drove me up to the gate of that prison, there was no sign over it that said this, but it felt like this. It says, you are now entering hopelessness. Because everything about a Chinese prison is about punishment. It's not about reform or anything like that. And I felt like I was entering hopelessness. But remember, God uses us to spread the aroma of Christ everywhere. And us means all of you. All of us, right? They put me in cell 318. I walk into the cell, there's about 12 or 13 other inmates. It smelled bad. Wooden board as a bed. Thin cotton pad. In prison in China, everything you want, whether it's food or a bowl to eat with or a spoon, you have to pay for. So it wasn't a free, wasn't all, all inclusive like some holidays, right? If you want to eat, you've got to pay for it. It costs five or six hundred dollars a month, Canadian, to live in a Chinese prison. So money had to come and be put on my account through the embassy, through Julia, through friends, all different ways it came onto my account so that I could eat. Probably a quarter of my cellmates at any given time didn't have money to buy food. You become like a little family in there and you share. But I had time in prison to figure things out. I had lots of time. Because I sat there for 19 months not knowing anything. Waiting and waiting and waiting. Like 28.4% of the time, there's no food to buy. That's God's diet plan, by the way. You know, not long after I arrived in that prison, it was very close to the border with North Korea. This guy, and everything's in Chinese. I'm the only Westerner, the only foreigner in that prison. This guy comes up and starts talking to me. You know, the prison, the cell is pretty small, so it's, you're noticeable everywhere. This guy, Henry Gao, we called him. And uh, he comes up to me, he says, Kevin, just think of this as a long holiday. Nah, didn't work for me. But when I got to that prison, God started waking me up at 3 or 3.30 every morning. And that became my quiet time with God from 3 or 3.30 to close to 6 o'clock in the morning when the bell went off and the whole prison had to get up. A little later... Henry said, Kevin, I think God's giving you a chance to study. That made more sense. I had nothing but time. And a couple months later, as he was being led to the big prison, because they have this very interesting fact in China, that they have a 99.9% conviction rate. So if you're arrested, abducted, or whatever, you're guilty. 
Henry was being sent off to the big prison where there was five or 6,000 people, a provincial prison. And he said to me, Kevin, I want to believe like you. You see, I didn't stand my, my little wooden bed and preach to people, but I lived my life. I read my Bible. I prayed. And people asked questions, and I prayed people would ask questions. Henry and I talked a lot. And that day he was leaving, he said, I want to believe like you. And that, things like that happened again and again and again. Remember what Paul said in Ephesians 3.1? He says, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ. See, Paul didn't see himself as a prisoner of Rome. We were not prisoners of the Chinese government, but we were prisoners of Christ. And God had a plan in that, that cell, in that prison. See, because in that cell, 80 or 90 inmates passed through that cell while I was there. Some were there for a few hours, some a few weeks, some a few months. I stayed there 19 months, seldom leaving the cell. Petty thieves, drug addicts, lots of drug addicts came through. Police officers, you realize they're former police officers at that point. Mafia members, a couple of people who were going to be executed. And God had a plan to spread the aroma of Christ among those people and among the entire prison. You know, one, one guy came to me and asked one time, he said, he's a little stern, he said, you remind me of my mother. I was concerned at that point. And then he said, you talk about that Jesus like my mother. Can you tell me about him now? He didn't want to hear when he was outside. He wanted to hear when he was inside. Another time there was a drug addict beside me for a number of months and he had been in prison four times already. This is his fifth time in prison. Spent a dozen years in prison already. He was rearrested 50 days after his last incarceration. He didn't want to talk about much. He goes to court, comes back a few hours later, He's guilty. Remember, 99.9% .9 conviction rate. And then he turns to me. He says, can I read your book? They had sentenced him to 15 more years in prison. He knew he would die there. Now he wanted to know hope. And I had a Chinese Bible at that point with me. You see, how could God speak to him unless I was there? Many times things like that happen. Again and again. In the hopelessness of a Chinese prison, God wanted to speak hope. And I got to choose to join him in what he was doing. Was I joyful and cheery every day? No, I was not. But I learned that God will go to great lengths so people can hear. But we have to choose to join him in what he's doing. Because John 5.17 says, My father is always at work. Always means always. It's pretty easy. And if he's always at work, then whatever circumstances we're in, whatever situation we find ourselves in, good, bad, or ugly, God is there and God is at work. And we get to choose to join him. And yeah, I felt despair. At times I wanted to give up. And I remember one of those times very clearly. I don't know exactly when it was, some months into my stay in that prison, 
And I, they let us out into the outdoor cage, and this didn't happen every day. It was attached to the cells about the same size of the cell, so not very big. Not an exercise yard by any means. And I walked out and I clung on to the bars at the end. And I just cried out to God and I said, I can't do this anymore. And I meant it. I just said, I can't do it. And in the dirt in front of me, there's nothing much there. And I looked down and all of a sudden there's this bright yellow dandelion. I know what you're thinking. Cut it down, right? But you know, that moment, I knew again that God was there and God was present and the atmosphere changed because I knew, because God spoke to me through that little yellow dandelion. Because he's there. That yellow dandelion changed everything. Because I saw God at work again. Because he's always at work. You know, I wanted to be brave. We think of these, we see movies, we see, read books, we think of all these brave Christians. You know, I wanted to be brave too, but I wasn't. But what I learned is that in my weakness, God is strong. And daily, sometimes moment by moment, I had to say, God, I need your strength. I need you to help me. You know, every day, is almost the same in prison. Nothing really changes. I go through my routines, and that's probably what kept part of my sanity. Some people would agree I never had any, but anyways, that's another thing. And one day I was just going through my routines. I had routines that when I read, when I prayed, when, I, when you eat is, or when you don't eat is dictated by the prison. But the guards and everyone, they like things the same. So as I'm going through my routine of the day, you know, we, we think, and God does, speak to us in, in sometimes in very gentle whispers. But this particular day, God did not speak in a gentle whisper. All of a sudden, that song, that children's song came to mind. Jesus loves me, this I know. What's the rest? For the Bible tells me so. If anybody asks, the answer is always Jesus, okay? It always is. And that song came forcefully to me. I, there's no other way to describe it. It was like God was saying, pay attention to this right now. And I did. I started kind of humming it under my breath. Moments later, guards came to the door, called me out, put me in handcuffs, took me into an interrogation room, and they charged me with espionage. That carries a sentence of death in China. But I knew it was going to be okay. Because God, moments before, because he knows what's going on, he said to me, I know. I love you. Remember, the Bible tells you this. I know what's going on. Again and again, I kept seeing God at work. Because he was. The day of my trial, April 20th, 2016. I had three days notice for my trial. I knew nothing before that. I waited and waited and waited, knowing nothing for those months. I got up normal. God woke me up again at 3 or 3.30. 
and open my Bible to where I happen to be reading. You understand there's no happen to be, right? There is no happen to be. And I opened my Bible and I was starting at Psalm 23 that day. Verse 4 says, and you know it, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will what? I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. God just wanted to say again, I know what's going on. I'm walking with you. And to emphasize it, because the embassy had pushed that I could have books, I had different books that I was reading in prison, English books. And I opened a devotional book that I had that day called Sparkling Gems. And on April 20th, the title for that day said, Not Guilty. Think about that. 99.9% conviction rate in China. I was going to trial that day. God had inspired a man years before to write that devotional book and title it on April 20th, Not Guilty. It's about taken from Luke where Jesus is before Pilate. You know, I went through that trial, closed trial, all day long. And I had that hope in the back of my mind. And I held on to that. Hebrews 10.23 says, We hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. And it's a choice. It's a choice to hold on to the hope that God's given us. It's easy to give up. It's harder to hold on. But I found when we hold on, it's real. It's true. God is who He says He is. And He's present. And He's active. And He's always at work. what I call our bonus years, really just prepared us for what's next. And well, what do you do after you come back from prison? There's not too many job offerings. What was your last job? Well, <laughs> we want to rent an apartment. Okay, what's your last address? Uh, do I want to tell them? <laughs> your phone number? Well, I haven't had one for a couple of years. Bank account? Well, you know, things like that. But what I learned is that in our light and momentary troubles, and that's what Paul calls them, our light and momentary troubles, God knows exactly what's going on. And those two years in prison opened up incredible doors to us that we never could have dreamed of. In a place like Burma, where we're doing some work again now. Burma, the old name for what is now presently Myanmar. Our book has opened up Incredible opportunities that we never could have dreamed of. Being on national media, not that we ever wanted that. We tried to stay quiet and work quietly in China for years. God said, no, I had other plans. As your pastor said, we have the book available at the back. If you want to find out more about what we're doing, please sign up with our email. The book is on sale today for $20. Special, two for 40 okay? But let me end with this. And if you learn nothing or hear nothing, listen, hear these three verses. John 5.17, God is always at work. Okay? He is always at work. Psalm 46.1, God is ever-present. In the most horrible of circumstances, in the best of circumstances, God is present. Genesis 50 verse 20, God meant it for good doesn't mean it's fun or easy. 
even in prison and adversity, God intends it for good. Why? Because he's always leading us. Sometimes, yes, as captives. In Christ's triumphal procession. And he uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. Let me ask you a question. Will you choose in your difficult circumstances to join God in what he is doing? Even when you can't see it. Even when you don't understand it, because most of the time you will not. Will you choose to hold unswervingly to the hope we profess? It's kind of where the rubber meets the road, right? In those difficult times, but also in the good times. Choose to hold on to God. Choose and know that the Bible is what it says it is. It's God's word to us. Every moment of every day. Thank you.